What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and all the places you need your music to be. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in-store 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor fastest payouts they help out with automatic splits cover song clearance and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases i dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians bands studio artists DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home, and they also offer label services as well. They've got three different tiers to offer creators that start as low as $22.99 a year. That's just $1.92 per month, and even their top tier breaks down to only $7.50 per month. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper for you check out the link in the episode notes i also put it in my instagram bio in the link tree click that link and it'll give you 30 percent off your first year of service super stoked to have distro kids sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their longtime support of this thing this episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Puff Coffee. Puff is one of my favorite coffee shops in Portland. They've got a location over off 28th and Stark in Southeast. Their coffee is delicious and everyone that works there is always super friendly. I had the pleasure of staying in their neighborhood for a month or so and it was just a real treat to be able to walk over there and have that as my neighborhood coffee shop. And now I find myself going out of my way to get over there. Puff Coffee was started by the founder of Stumptown Coffee, and they are making small batch coffee roasted daily here in Portland. Their mission is to find, roast, and deliver the most delicious coffees anywhere. Their small batch process means they get to keep things interesting with experimental blends and single origin gems while always keeping the classics on deck. They've got a variety of beans to choose from, and if you're not in the Portland, Oregon area, you can order their small batch coffee straight to your home through their website. Links for Puff Coffee will be in the episode notes, and you can use the coupon code DANCABLE, all one word, for 20% off a coffee subscription. Big thanks to Puff Coffee for supporting the show and for their amazing small batch coffee. Let's start the episode. <laughs> What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Day Cable Presents podcast. Thank you for tuning into the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Tuesday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast 
and just a great way to contribute to the growth and sustainability of this thing appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so if you're not listening on apple please hit like follow subscribe wherever you are listening from give it five stars on spotify check out the monthly playlist that i've been dropping every first of the month those are available on spotify and uh pretty spread out genre wise just a, a snapshot of what i'm listening to throughout the month some things that are making it into my dj sets and the links for those playlists are in the episode notes stoked to get into episode 399 can't believe that uh we're just one away from 400 here the new era is uh is coming um i'm really excited to drop episode 400 and and start regularly being able to uh, to release some video content i've got this new podcast studio that i've been uh settling into for the last uh couple months now i guess maybe maybe even three just couldn't be more thankful for all the people that have been giving me their time to help me out with the the lighting and the camera stuff and even dialing in the audio even even better for what i'm going to be doing with uh releasing video content regularly and uh yeah, just to appreciate their knowledge, appreciate their time, and very excited for what is to, to come out of these. And it's been fun to start rolling out some of these photos that Lisa Hagen of the band Babers took during episode 400. You're probably seeing those pop up here and there. And uh, yeah, I've been putting out some of the clips, some of these teaser clips of the episodes and just, uh, just very stoked. And I'm also very excited to uh to drop episode 399 on you i had such a great time chatting with portland oregon based comedian lee h tillman i grew up a big comedy fan and most of the podcasts that i regularly listen to are hosted by comedians and it's it's really informed the way that i've tried to facilitate these conversations on the podcast and i just really appreciate the art of stand-up and always wanted to try stand-up never did but uh yeah it was just great to chat with Lee about the craft and how his style has evolved over time. If you're a, a regular listener of the podcast or familiar with the, the Portland music scene, you might know Lee's voice as a familiar one. He came on the podcast a couple years back to talk about his music project, which he performs under the name Free Tillman. He's got a bunch of great releases. If you like beats and instrumentals and hip hop, he's got a ton of stuff to check out and I'll link that material as well. Just uh, really appreciate people that are willing to just uh, to try things, you know, do different forms of art. And, and Lee is definitely that dude and, and seems to challenge himself in that way. So uh, very cool to be chatting on the mics with Lee a couple years removed from our first conversation and, and see where he's at with art now and, and his pursuit of stand-up comedy this last couple years. And one of the big reasons that I wanted to have Lee on at this particular time is that he just put out his 
first stand-up special. It's called Bad at Math. It's available on YouTube, and I had the pleasure of being at that taping. It was uh, special to be in the room for it and stoked for him to have this thing put out in the world, and I will definitely put the link to the special in the episode notes so you can check it out, and uh, you can also tap in with Lee on his Instagram so you can keep up with his dates. He's doing spots all over Portland regularly and he also gets himself out on the road from time to time as well coming up he will be at the siren theater on february 23rd at 8 p.m and also february 25th he'll be at shilling cider house at 7 p.m so uh, those are the upcoming dates from lee h tillman and uh i hope this is also a launching pad to have comics on maybe a little bit more regularly in the rotation i had jake silverman on maybe a couple years back that was during the pandemic um and then i also had uh this dude on this dude nick who used to run helium here in portland but aside from that there haven't uh, there haven't been anything in the the comic world so hopefully that this opens the door a little bit let me know who your favorite portland based comics are or, i mean I, I definitely follow the national scene so maybe i can get some some touring comedians on while they're they're here visiting helium for a few days that's kind of the cool thing about comedy is is people often end up spending a few days in in one city when they're touring so we'll see if i can uh get that into the rotation but for now you're about to hear from lee h tillman big thanks to lee for jumping on the mics with me it's been a pleasure to get to know this dude over these last couple years and like i said that new special is called bad at math and uh the link for it is in the episode notes and with that we are going to get into this thing episode 399 i'm i'm sure that i will uh give my thank yous quite a bit next week as well when episode 400 comes out but again thanks for all the all the support over these last eight years all the people that have helped make this thing happen all the guests that have come on it's uh it's a truly a special thing for me to get to be a part of i know i create this thing but uh couldn't do it with all the folks that have given me their time and been willing to to jump on the mics with me and and work through the growing pains of uh this uh this podcast and and kind of figure out the direction for it and uh, just couldn't be more appreciative of not only the people that come on but the people that uh, continue to listen whether you're a new listener or you're a longtime listener or you've just uh been a supporter of mine in any way i, I appreciate you and uh, i'm stoked to share episode 399 with lee h Tillman and to kick off the episode here is a taste of that bad at math special. I currently don't own a car and I don't own a car for environmental reasons. Uh, the environment where I live stole my car. <laughs> but they left my catalytic converter which is weird. I don't know why why they did that. I think we're good to go Lee. If, right. you're, if you're feeling good. All right, yeah. I'm excited to to talk with you about uh, I feel like we're we're going to shift gears from the last time yeah. you came on the podcast we were talking about Free Tillman your uh -huh. your music project. Yeah, yeah. And uh today we're we're going to chop it up about comedy and, and mm -hmm. this endeavor that you have kind of rebooted in your mm -hmm. your life this last 
year or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember having that that first podcast that we did. You mentioned that you uh, you always liked comedy, like yeah, growing up, right? Yeah, it's always something that's just been around. Like it, I well, I wasn't even conscious that I liked comedy or I loved comedy. It was just like a thing that was always around. My dad had comedy records. They would quote the same way like people quote Will Ferrell or like a Dave Chappelle or something. Yeah. That's how my dad would quote Richard Pryor. Yeah. Like it's that's just, you know, and, and around the house and my older brothers would do it. So it was just like comedy was just a thing that was just in the air all the time that I never really thought about. And then when as I got older, I just would, you know, watch comedy specials and not even if it was something that didn't like I didn't get it. You know, because maybe it was an older person. It's like this 40-year-old white guy. Like, I don't know what he's talking He's talking about being married and yeah. have kids. Like, I don't know. But, like, it was just something that I always was drawn to. But I didn't really think about it until, like, I got older. And I was like, oh, yeah, I do. I think it was, like, me listening to, like, Mark Maron's WTF podcast. And, like, just hearing comics not being funny. Just talking about doing comedy. Yeah. And I would, I had a job where I drove around a lot. So I was like listening to that podcast like all the time. And it just hit me like, oh yeah, I guess I just like really, I really love comedy. Yeah. Like I just <laughs> like listening to comedy like all the time. And Absolutely. Then, and then that was when I like started to like maybe think about, you know, going to open mics and, you know, start doing comedy myself. Yeah. I think in some ways, podcasts, especially like ones that are geared, towards comics or conversations mm. with comics have yeah. have almost sometimes like ruined the stand up for me. <laughs> I'm almost there like more want to hear about yeah. that process than yeah, even yeah. like watch the special mm-hmm. at this point. But um yeah, what do you uh what do you think you appreciated even uh, from a young age of like even if it was stuff that you didn't really understand what what do you think you gravitated um, towards wanting to watch those specials and having that in the rotation seems like just mm-hmm. as much as listening to music yeah um i think it was just hearing different perspectives just because with comedy what i love about comedy is that like you get to hear everyone's different perspective you know if you're a a black lesbian or you're you're you know a straight white male or you know you're you're a little person yeah everybody like everyone does comedy like it's it's always like it's and it's so personal it's kind of like you can't really, I mean, you can't really fake it. You know, you, like if you are funny, you have to like be telling something about yourself somehow. Like you're, you're, so it, it just felt like I get to hear all these different perspectives that I didn't understand that maybe, you know, where I was growing up, I only saw, you know, a certain type of person, but I get to watch comedy and I see, you know, all these different people talking about different things that maybe I didn't understand but I would just soak it up anyway. So I yeah. think it's just the different perspectives. Because that was Tyler, Texas, where you grew yeah, up? Yeah, I grew up in Tyler, Texas, yeah. Pretty small town then? Um, It's it's like a, I'd say it's a normal size town. It's okay. like, it was probably, when I was growing up, it was probably like, I don't know, maybe 80,000 people. It's about 100 something, like over 100,000, something like that. So it's like, it's it's not like a tiny, tiny town, but it's, you know, it's it's a regular size town, I think. What was the closest major city? Uh, Dallas. How far? Um, it was probably like a maybe three hour drive. Yeah. So a pretty yeah. good distance. Yeah. yeah so yeah. yeah, growing up somewhere like that. Yeah. You're not gonna 
hear what you're hearing through these stand-up yeah. specials probably yeah, absolutely yeah it's not like i remember because i grew up in a, a dry county like smith county uh which is where tyler texas is it was a dry county and so i never saw alcohol in a grocery store oh, wow. <laughs> until i went to dallas like one time when i was a teenager that was the first time i saw alcohol in a grocery store and it kind of flipped me out they also like didn't play secular music on Sundays until noon. Gotcha. So it's all gospel until like noon and then they just play the blues. Yeah. <laughs> so you're just like being, I feel like comedy is also just this thing that exposes a lot mm -hmm. of counterculture yeah. in, in comparison to that yeah, you get as to well. Get a lot of, like the first comedian that I remember discovering on my own and loving was, um, was George Carlin, which I mean, you don't get more counterculture than that. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I just remember like, and I was, you know, we are uh, people that went to church. Like, we are, you know, very Christian uh, household. But I heard George Carlin talk about atheism. I'm like, what is that? Like, what? That's a thing? You can do that? Yeah. You could not believe this? <laughs> you know? So it was just like hearing someone talk about something that I didn't really, I wasn't privy to. Or maybe I didn't understand. Like, just hearing that, just like, it really made my ears perk up. Yeah. Would you geek out on specials as far as like, would you listen over and over to this or watch the same ones on, on repeat as much as exploring um, new ones? There were, I mean, my, my dad had like, he had like a bunch of Richard Pryor cassettes, but he had like the record. He had um, Richard Pryor live on Sunset Strip. Um, and he had like a best of like Cheech and Chong. Yeah. A best of Eddie Murphy. And then he had the the Red Fox album, You Need to Wash Your Ass. <laughs> That's the name of the album. Yeah. And it's him standing next to a, a horse, a horse's butt, <laughs> which is funny <laughs> in and of itself. So I would like listen to those all the time. Um, as far as like watching like other ones, I would always I was always watching different stuff. So it like if like I remember when Comedy Central was like running, you know, different specials all the time. Yeah, I, man. Like if something came on, you know, I'd probably watch like Dana Carvey's special like a bunch of times just because it came on a lot. Yeah. So it, like any any special that was just like constantly in rotation, yeah, I watched all those. Yeah, I feel like uh, you and I are, are similar age, and mm. I feel like we uh, were almost blessed to grow up mm. in that era of yeah. Comedy Central yeah. where there was. I mean, I know that. Like, obviously, with all the streaming services, there's yeah. access to all of these specials. But mm -hmm. at that time when things were just airing live on mm -hmm. cable and you had something like Comedy Central where they were just airing special after special mm -hmm. in rotation. And then there was uh, that one show where they would just put clips in of each special, too. Oh, and yeah. I cannot think of what that the name of that yeah, is right now. It is, but yeah, know. yeah, just doing that. And then there was, you know, BET had, you know, a lot of black comedy. Yeah. Um, you know, they had Comic View. Yeah. Which is where, you know, we got to see a young, um, you know, Cedric the Entertainer when he was first starting out. And, you know, D.L. Hughley, you know, the kings of comedy, Man. you know, all yeah. came through, stuff like that. And so I knew all those guys before, you know, the kings comedy and stuff. And, like, I've been watching Cat Williams for years <laughs> before, yeah. like, you know, anyone, like, really knew who he was. I've been watching him, you know, for years. So yeah, it's it's to be able, and I would watch everything. I watched everything from like Judy Tenuta to <laughs> to you know D.L. Hughley, like any like anything that was on. It didn't matter. I just wanted to see like all these different perspectives. Watching like the comedy roasts yeah. and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, they had comedy roasts on uh, on uh, 
Comedy Special. Yeah. Comedy, Comedy Central, I mean. Would you, uh, so would you be somebody that was like quoting these specials? You know what? I did because like not everyone, this is before the term comedy nerd existed. Right. Until like Judd Apatow kind of like put it, you know, in, into uh, the world. But like I knew that not everyone else was like quoting comedy the way I was or like was watching it the way that I was. So like I was kind of like on my own. Like it, I was, I would, I would watch all this stuff. But it never like see. I I didn't think it did like seep into like my you know everyday life. I mean you know, in subtle ways probably, but just like in general, like I wasn't like you know class clown or like quoting other people's jokes or anything. Yeah, I just just remember just soaking all of it in. Yeah. When did you have, like, while you were soaking it all in, mm-hmm. was was there ever this thought in your mind like? Hey, I should I should give this a shot. It never. It, I was probably like I was in grad school the first time I ever you know tried comedy, but before that, like the thought never crossed my mind to do it because it just never seemed like a thing that any like it just didn't seem like a thing that people did. Yeah, there wasn't a bunch yeah. of comedy clubs in yeah, Tyler, yeah, Texas. Yeah, <laughs> like I said, like yeah, there's there's no comedy clubs there, so like I never saw a comic. It just didn't seem like like now. You know, everybody is on, you know, social media and they're, you know, they're talking and we know all of the celebrities. Right. You know, all the ins and outs of what they're doing, who they're dating, all this, you know, what they're going through, their social, their their um, their mental health, like literally everything that they're doing, we know. But like er, before that, we like they were just they were like royalty. Like we didn't know anything about them. We just like maybe we saw read an interview in a magazine or something like that. So they were just like these other worldly people that we yeah. really couldn't touch so it just never even occurred to me that i could do that or i even wanted to do that it never yeah for sure man i mean i remember i grew up like 40 miles outside of la mm. and as soon as we like my friends and i turned 21 we started going to the comedy store mm-hmm. and that was when the comedy store was pretty dead most of the time mm-hmm. like yeah. now it's like sold out every yeah. single night doesn't matter which room you're in it's yeah. if you don't get your tickets a week before you're not getting in kind of thing mm-hmm. and we had um sebastian maniscalco mm-hmm. and joe coy came and did a show at our high school the mm-hmm. year after year or two after we graduated mm-hmm. like no unknown <laughs> dudes like yeah. no one knew who these guys were yeah. and uh they came there and then like we like Sebastian would post on his MySpace, mm. if you want to come to the comedy store, I'll put you on the guest list. Like that's how <laughs> many people were n- not going. Yeah. And so we would go all the time and got to like see all of these comics that have kind yeah, of exploded in this yeah. time where the room was like pretty empty. And yeah, it was just super exciting. So I was also like always kind of like one of these comedy nerds mm. constantly watching Comedy Central, wa- yeah. listening to specials all the time yeah. and the, i mean it would have been amazing like the i i never saw a professional comedian i don't until probably like i lived in la for a while yeah but before that i don't think i'd ever been to a comedy show just because like there weren't any yeah like, I, well, <laughs> why would i <laughs> so when uh when you did see comedy for uh-huh. the first time did you already have the interest at that point in in doing it or like what kind of uh what sparks the initial run at at doing comedy because i know before Uh this kind of reboot Mm -hmm. you you had 
some time doing um, it? It was, like I said, like I was listening to Mark Marin. Um, so this was probably like 2008, 2009 okay. or something like that. And I think I went on stage. Um, first time I went on stage was 2009, uh, October, probably like October 19th. And I know that because that's my my parents' an- wedding anniversary. And they were there in the crowd, I believe. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, or it might have been the year before. I don't remember. But it was like sometime, you know, like 2009. And I, no, they were there at the 2010 show. But I remember I started like, I did like the same um, grad school um, talent show. Okay. It was a talent show. So the first time I had ever done comedy was like at a talent show in grad school. And I did it the first, you know, the first year that they had it. And I just like, they, I remember the person asking me like, so, you know, the person that was like, quote unquote, auditioning us, like, you know, so how long have you been doing comedy? And I said, I just said not long. I mean, the answer was zero. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like never. But not long is <laughs> but also not, fair. Not long is, you know, it's not. <laughs> Accurate. Yeah. <laughs> so I just said not long. And like, cause they wanted me, they wanted, uh, I needed to like run through my act to make sure that there was nothing like offensive or anything. So I was like literally just saying whatever joke to this one other person. Yeah. So they could see whether oh, or not. Man. How <laughs> awkward was that? <laughs> it was weird. It was very weird. <laughs> but um, I know they let me do it. And, you know, I got through and I got laughs and it went well. It's like, oh, okay, cool. And I did well enough to where, like, the next year they asked me to host the um, the talent show. Okay. And that was the one that my parents read. All right. So did you do the typical kind of, like, what a host of a show yeah. does now where you're kind of, you're introducing people but getting to, like, throw in your bits yeah. in between and, yeah. and kind of have the whole show to work things through? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah that was yeah. exactly what I was doing. But uh, yeah, right after um, this was, I was in LA at the time. So right after I did the talent show, it felt good. So I was like, oh, well, that worked out pretty well. Let's see if, you know, I can do this more. So I started going to uh, open mics in LA and uh, the Valley and, you know, different places I were. And it was, it was rough. When you showed up to like maybe those first open mics, mm-hmm. did you immediately throw your your name in the hat, or did you kind of sit back and observe a couple before you uh, got the nerve to actually go up? No, I just I just kind of did it. Yeah, <laughs> I, actually, I think like someone saw me at the talent show and then they asked me to do some other show. So like the second thing I'd ever did was someone else's show, um, and you know some like bar show or something like that. So I would so I. You know, I never these. I just did jokes that I hadn't really tested out, um, and it went okay. It went fine. Like it wasn't like I didn't kill, but it was fine. Like I didn't completely. I didn't bomb either. So yeah, it was fine. So then I started going to open mics, and I would just you know I would sign up, and I was nervous. And like after I signed up, I'd be like, and I'm sitting there waiting. I'm like, why did I do that? Like, what? <laughs> and you're just like scared there. Like please don't. Because like, some of them are like, you know, they draw your name out of a hat or something like that and see if you go up or not. Yeah. And like, I'm like, oh, I hope they don't draw my name. Like, <laughs> just right, so right. I, like I did. I know I came all the way down here. I signed up for it, but I kind of don't want to do this. And I then they're definitely it. calling your name. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I went up and like, it was like, it, I did. 
don't know. It was it wasn't great. Like I can tell that I wasn't great. Obviously, I wasn't like I'm. I didn't feel like you know I'm a natural. I got this down. Yeah. But you know I wasn't bad at it. It wasn't like awful. Like I watch the tapes now and. Like, I, I do have, like, a few tapes from, like, when I was doing, like, open oh, mics. that's amazing. Like, a decade and a half ago. They're not great. I mean. <laughs> they're, 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 they're embarrassing. Bro, I have <laughs> uh, all of these episodes of this podcast documented, <laughs> and I definitely don't want to, like, go back and listen to episode one or two, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, but uh, um, it was just, it was going fine, and then I just remember... Like, one of the things specifically I remember was, like, I went to an open mic, and I'm signing up, and I saw someone just, like, walk up and be like, hey, can I do some time? And they, you know, got on. I was like, oh, I want to be that guy. Like, that's the level I want to be. I want to be able to just walk up to the host and be like, hey, can I do some time? Like, yeah. that's, that's the type of comic that that was what I wanted. That was the goal at that point. What year is this? This is, like, 2010, okay. 11. Like, I did it. 2009 to about maybe 14 or 15 all right and you're doing this all in like la area mm-hmm. yeah. so this is still this is, com- this is comedy store improv yeah laugh factory yeah uh ha so like you know a couple places the and ice house you the ice house ice pasadena yeah. ice yeah, house absolutely yes. that's Actually, a cool room yeah. i like that place yeah it's a it's a really not it's weirdly nice like, yeah. like it's like I mean the crowds are always nice. I guess that's just because like L.A. crowds are not great. Not yeah. nice. Well, I and, I mean that must have just been such a crazy place to be mm-hmm. starting comedy because you have so many people that mm-hmm. are going there for yeah. that reason. Yeah. You just happen to be yeah. going to school there, and yeah. like that's the place that you're gonna cut your teeth. Yeah. In my it, like from from what I can tell, it's like it's the worst place to start. Yeah, <laughs> because it's really hard to get stage time because one, there's so many people, um, and sometimes the people aren't even comics; they're actors or they're singers, and their uh, agent just said, "Uh, just you know, you need to be well rounded. Go out and do this yeah. thing." So it's just like every, and then sometimes it's just people off the street, you know, just you know, people with mental health issues. Yeah, they just you know, sign up and they go up there and ramble for ten minutes. Um, and it's just one it's just so it's just hard to get stage time but also like logistically it's hard to get around right um huge area yeah and you know you'll sign up and you know you'll you'll, you have to get there early enough to get in line because like maybe they're only going to sign up like the first 30 people so you have to be within that 30 people like 100 people are going to show up oh yeah but you have to be within that first 30 yeah and even if you do get in now, you know, okay, you signed up. You don't know if you're actually going to perform until like maybe an hour later because they're, they're figuring out who's going to actually perform. So then once you figure out when you're going to perform, if you're performing or not, then they put you on a list. And you, if you don't know who you are, if they don't know who you are, you're going up last or you're like way at the bottom. So like you've spent like three, four hours of your day, just going just trying to like get into yeah. this open mic and now if you don't get in now you have to go across town and try to do it all <laughs> over again so you could be out all night and only do you know five minutes right like I, I can be out to like four o'clock in the morning yeah. and barely do any time 
when I was doing it, all the open mics were free. But now most of them are pay. And like you have to like pay to do most open mics in LA really? right now. Yeah. Like uh like a, a two drink minimum kind of pay or like actually like you gotta pay, throw like, the ten bucks. Yeah, in you or gotta whatever. put in like some of them like, you know, you want five minutes, you gotta get you know, five bucks or something like Damn, that. Damn, that's the that's how big the <laughs> demand is, is that yeah. they can they can do that type of thing. Yeah. Man, I remember seeing those lines at like the mm. Laugh Factory though. Yeah, Laugh Factory. It's like line. why the fuck are these people lining up at like three PM? Yeah. It's yeah, like I've they're done, trying to get a spot, bro. Yeah, I've done those lines. Yeah, it's it's crazy. At least you have a lot of time to work on your act while you're fucking standing yeah, in line. Yeah, trying to. Yeah. <laughs> Were you able to uh, during that span? Did you did you find much community within the the open mic uh, scene? Absolutely there? not. Okay. Did not. Um, I think like maybe because I wasn't privy to maybe like I wasn't maybe there is a way to like do like if you're doing if you can find all the smaller places and you can go out and you can do all that i just i didn't know anything about stand-up comedy i'm literally just starting i don't know i'm just trying to figure out so i'm like looking online to see like where are the open mics and it's pretty much just the big ones yeah that i'm seeing so it's possible maybe i'm doing it i'm not doing it the right way Maybe there are smaller ones that you can go to, and maybe that's where the community is or whatever. But I, I did not find that when I was there. Like, like no, no one cares. <laughs> like, none of the other comics. Like, I, I enjoyed like watching stand up, and then like going up to someone and being like, "Hey, that was a good joke." Like that, I like it when you did whatever, whatever. Yeah. And like, no one ever did that. You're trying to nerd out like, about I'm, it. You're I'm, trying to yeah, yeah. Talk and shop. I, yeah, and I'm the only one that was like trying to like do that. And it's just because they're just everyone. Uh, I mean, it's just it's kind of cutthroat, you know. Yeah. Everyone is scared because people see yeah. everyone as a yeah. threat to yeah, every, their yeah, stage everyone, yeah. time, and they're they're yeah. not really thinking and, about and, the camaraderie. Yeah, know? I mean, maybe they just moved out there from you know some other city, and they're just trying. You know, they heard like this is where you're gonna make it, and yeah. they're just trying to make it, whatever that means. <laughs> yeah, they've only got three months of rent, yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and if they don't figure out how to make it happen yeah. in that three yeah. months, then they're they're yeah. back to Ohio. Yeah, so I'm just trying to like be there and be like, hey, you know what, you know, how's every, how you doing? Like, <laughs> trying to like talk to people, and it's yeah. not really like no one really cares or like. And plus, it's just so many people. Like you right. can meet someone at this open mic, you never see him again because at the next one, there's another hundred people. Um, so yeah, it's just like, it's, that's, and that's the third reason why it's, it's really like LA is like really tough. It can be like very cliquish where you just, you just have to know the certain people to get in at, you know, certain shows. And like I said, like it's a tough place to start. Like maybe if you're already pretty good, wherever you're from, like you're, you know, you're from Ohio or whatever, and you're doing, you know, pretty good in Cleveland and now you're going to L.A., maybe you have some credits, you know about stand-up comedy, that may be better. But if you're just starting and you're just trying to figure out how to do this, how to be funny, what open mics to go to, who do I need to talk to, it's 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 terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Which is why sure. I stopped doing it after a while. <laughs> I think the last show that I did was the Pasadena Ice House. Um, and it was a great show. And I think the reason why I stopped was because it was such a great show. I was like, it's never going to be as good as this again. 
So I got nervous to go up on stage again because I'm like, okay, that last one, I killed in that show. Right out on the is, sunset. This is never going to happen again. <laughs> so I was like scared to be like, oh, if I go up there again, I'm going to bomb, you know. And Yeah. Do you have any idea? I mean, I know you've had a lot more time to revisit it mm-hmm. now in the last like couple of years or so, mm-hmm. but do you have any idea why you think that show in particular like went so well? Um, I think well, part of it it was the Pasadena Ice House. Uh, that the crowds there are always like really nice. <laughs> I think anyone that's ever performed there uh, will, will probably attest to that. They're it's, rooting for you. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not. They're not they're hoping really nice. you're gonna bomb because it's not. I mean, if you don't, if someone listening to this doesn't know Pasadena, it's not. I mean, technically it's L.A., but it's not L.A. L.A. Yeah, it's like outside, so it's it's more it's more of a community. People mm-hmm. are nicer. It's you know, it's just. It's not um it's not a bunch of maybe it is a bunch of tourists, but it's just like it's just nicer people. Yeah, it's a little more neighborhoody. Yeah. It's not quite the tourism that you get on a sunset boulevard yeah. in Hollywood, you yeah. know. You gotta have some <laughs> I feel like you gotta have some real intention of like mm. why you're hanging out in Pasadena. Yeah. You either live in that neighborhood yeah. or you know places yeah. in there. So I think there was that's part of it. I think it was just it was just a good crowd, good room. Yeah. And it was probably the first time I had that because a lot of other shows that I was doing was, you know, maybe a bar show or it's a show where I'm performing for a bunch of other comics that are just waiting for their turn to go up. So it, you know, this was probably that was probably the first time where it was good crowd, an actual club, uh, you know, good environment. That was and I mean, the jo- I, I've actually watched some of that set mm-hmm. that I did that night and like. I wouldn't do most of those jokes now, but not that they were like controversial or anything. They just weren't great jokes, but you know, like it wasn't bad. It was like, I was doing okay. I was comfortable on stage. I remember that. I remember that I looked pretty comfortable. Like you had broken that yeah, barrier. Yeah. You I, done got, enough I got past that part to where I was like, okay, I'm comfortable on stage. I may not be hilarious, but at least, you know, I can look at it and be like, okay, that's the moment where I was like, okay, I, I'm not like nervous yeah, or as nervous, you know? So, uh, I think that was part of it. I was pretty calm. I did a little crowd work. Um, and yeah, they were just a nice crowd. And I think that was probably what it was. How close thinking about that last set that you did before rebooting things, how close is, was the style of what you were doing then? to what you are doing now as far as your your style of joke telling oh completely different okay like i when i restarted i mean we can talk about that in a minute but when i originally started i guess it was like normal it was like observational it was just you know trying to be conversational doing just jokes about you know growing up in tyler long form storytelling kind of things yeah just I don't want to say normal comedy, but yeah. like that's kind of like if you see my sets now, they're pretty much you know I try to do it's a it's deadpan, um, it's one liners, it's set up punchline, yeah, set up punchline, set up punchline, and before it was just like trying to like you know tell these long stories, and I realized from watching that last set that I wasn't good at telling stories. A lot of th- a lot of my problems was I would forget parts of the story i'll be like okay i have to say this in order to make this funny so and oh shoot i forgot that part so 
I can't do this punchline because yeah, it's kind of fucked if you miss I, a piece, yeah, right? Yeah, I missed a piece of the story and now I can't do this. So I would do that all the time. And I'm like, shoot, I can't. <laughs> Man, I'm messing up. So, um, yeah, it would just it's it in it's day and night what I was doing to to what I do now. Yeah. Um, well, I guess that that kind of like brings us into like mm-hmm. re- rebooting the thing and like getting back into it. Mm-hmm. You spent a lot of time making music yeah. in between. Were you making music that whole time, like in some capacity? Um, yeah. Well, I went to school to be a recording engineer. Right. Um, in Florida. And then I got a job at a recording studio in L.A., which is how I ended up in L.A. Okay. in the first place. Um, so I was recording other people's music. I was making my own music. It wasn't going, like I put it up on MySpace or whatever. Yeah. Um, it wasn't, you know. It wasn't going great, but, you know, I, I was still, like, creating things all the time, though. Were you ever doing any live performance with the music? Um, no. So no, that was, that was kind of something you got the opportunity to do up here when you yeah, started doing yeah, I really beat sets and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, I really didn't do anything live. I realize that the music that you have made is, mm-hmm. is mostly, like, instrumental. So, like, doing a live set, there's not a lot of, uh, like, microphone engagement mm-hmm. for what you're doing. Do you feel like there are any parallels to performing the music or live mm. to the doing the comedy? Um, the only thing that I would say may be similar is that when I perform live, I try to play like live samples over like I'll, I have like the, the beat that I already have, but I'll play live samples over it. One is just to show that so that i'm not just standing behind a laptop and pressing pushing the button yeah so so you can so when i hit this so i want you to see when i hit this button something happens yeah it's not just a thing so like i'm so i try to play like live you know and a lot of the times i use like vocal and there is like sometimes it is something humorous so something uh funny about it but like there is um it's also kind of like improvisational it's a little loose um but it is very structured and like the the music that I'm choosing, the samples that I'm choosing is very structured, which I think is, you know, similar to what my stand up is. Yeah. Um, but other than that, like, I don't think it's a whole lot of similarities. Huh? So would you say there's no comparison to maybe the nerves you feel doing stand up versus uh, doing a beat n- set? No, I don't really get that nervous about doing a beat set, mostly because like the crowd if I'm doing a beat set, the crowd is just there to like kind of chill and vibe out. They're not like listening to every single thing that I'm doing. You know, they're not standing there looking at me. Yeah. Uh, with stand up, specifically because the way that I do stand up, you ha- kind of have to listen to every word. Right. And like the, you can between like my setup and personal, like, there's a you can hear a pin drop. Yeah. There's, <laughs> a lot of, there's nothing else there <laughs> but you. Yeah. You know. So I'm. Uh, so so it's not. I definitely get more nervous like trying to do stand up because like it's just me. I can't really I have nothing to back this up. Yeah. Like if I'm playing a beat, maybe you can groove along to it. Maybe you'll like, you know, the drums on it or something or maybe you won't, but you'll still, you know, you're not going to um you're not going to boo me. <laughs> That's probably not going to happen. So so what sparks uh you your interest in getting back into comedy here in Portland, Oregon? Um, so I moved back here in 2021, 
Um, so this was like in April 2021. Probably right around the time I, I started to get to know you or uh-huh. see you around. Yeah, yeah. So I um, actually, I believe the first show that I went this. So 2021, for those that don't remember, uh, we were still in lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we were still uh, no one was going outside. So I was like making a bunch of music like during that time. Yeah. Um, but I also I didn't have a job when I moved. That's a, that's a long story. But I, I initially had a job, but something fell through, and then I ended up you know not having a job. So I moved here without a job. I had some money saved up, so I was fine. So I'm just like in my house, not doing anything. And you know, when during lockdown, you're kind of thinking about okay, when I can get it back out there, which is I think that's what a lot of people went through during that time twenty. 2020 and 2021 we were all thinking okay when i get this chance again to be outside amongst people what am i gonna do yeah like i this everything could end tomorrow like you don't know what's gonna happen and 2020 made us really feel like like none of us even if you did expect like some type of pandemic even if you're a scientist and you knew you couldn't have like predicted exactly what it would feel like what people's reactions would be like. And so everyone on the planet was going through something all at once, which I don't even know if that's ever happened before ever in human history, but we all were feeling something. Yeah. And I just was like, what do I want to do? Like for real, like what is it? What do I really want to do with my life? And I was thinking like, you know, music is a big part of it. And then comedy was another big part of it. And I remember when I was doing comedy before, I knew that I hadn't reached the level that I wanted to be. Like, I was like, I think I can do this. I think I'm pretty good. I think I can probably do this. But I know that I didn't do it when I did it before. So I just wanted, like, another try to see, like, can I do this? Yeah. Just to see if I really could. So in probably by like June, July, it's probably like July um, of 2021, that's when Oregon opened back up so we could go outside. And to your point that you were saying, the first show that I went to, I believe that was when I met, it was me and Jonas were there. Okay, at the Produce Row. Yeah, Produce Row. That was the first time I had been outside. Oh, shit. (laughs) Like that, that show that I went to and I met you. Yeah. And like me and Jonas started doing show. I, Jonas wasn't there, but I told you about him. Yeah. Um, because I was like, we could do a show, but I want because we had just released an album together. Right, said, right, right. And I yeah. said like, you know, we could do a show. We could do like something together. Yeah. So that's when we started doing, uh, you know, the shows at Produce Row. Yeah. Um, together and stuff like that. But like, that was literally the first time like I had been outside. That that was when we met. <laughs> Um, there was some, like you were putting on a show or something. Um, I think spinach was there or something. Yeah. Like. I was just booking the music, yeah. like on the patio, those spots. Yeah. So, so yeah. So I was doing that, but then around about that time I started, uh, thinking like, I wonder if I could do stand up again. So I started looking up open mics, um, trying to see where, you know, where open mics were. I went up the first time I went up to an open mic. Um, it went, I tried to do more or less what I was doing before. Like I was trying to do like long form storytelling, 
trying to do like this different the, I don't know trying trying to do not different like literally the same thing I was doing before different jokes observational yeah, stuff yeah observational stuff yeah um, you know different jokes new stuff because it had been like you know years since then so I right. was, you know I wasn't going to do the exact same thing but like the same style and it went up and it went okay I didn't like bomb but when I got off stage I was like I didn't feel good about that like that's not that's not what I want to do and then I said, okay, I'm going to scrap everything. This next open mic, I'm going to do something completely different. So, like, literally, more or less overnight, I wrote because I didn't have a job. So I was just at home. The entire day, I'm writing out new stuff. And I said, I'm just going to do setup punchline because I can't tell a story. Like, I'm not good at this storytelling thing. I don't think I can do that. But if I do it this other way, I think I may be able to, I think I may be on to something. Yeah. So I write like all these jokes, but then I also realize like, if I'm going to do set up a punchline, I need to have a lot of jokes. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get the, you're not afforded that same yeah. space to just kind of meander through these yeah. stories. Right. And like yeah. find little funny things. Yeah. Like you have to know where you're going with it every yeah. time. And so if I'm doing a uh, open mic and it's three minutes, Generally, that's, you know, for a typical comic, that's one, maybe two jokes, yeah. you know, just to, you know, do that. But, like, for if you're doing setup punchline, that's, like, for three minutes, that's probably six, seven jokes. Right. If you're just doing setup punchline. So I would go up there. I went up there, and I did. I decided I'm going to do it this way. But uh, I realized that when I was doing it, I would kind of – I wanted to say it a specific way because like I mem- I tried to memorize it and I knew that I need to say it this way. I need to put the accent on this. I need to do, you know, this. I want like the setup and the punchline to kind of like rhyme in a way. And I know I have to say it a certain way, but I would get up there and I got nervous and I got kind of scared and I would kind of forget like what the punchline was. So what I would do, I would talk slow. I would talk slow and then I would leave a space and then I would say the next line. And the and that just became my style. Yeah. And when I did that, people just thought that was, oh, that's what he's doing. But they didn't realize, oh, I just can't remember what the punchline was. <laughs> <laughs> like that's what it was. Like I was trying to I was doing like I was doing the setup and I was doing it nice and slow because I needed it to, you know, I needed to say it a specific way. But then I'd be like, oh, shoot. So I take a beat and then I say the punchline. And then that just became my style. Yeah. It just became from necessity (laughs) because I just couldn't remember the punchline. (laughs) It just became my style. And then like so I did it and it worked. So I was like, huh, I'm going to try this again. See if it works. I went up to the next open mic. I did it again. I was like, oh, I must be on to something. This seems to be working. This is my style. That's where you're going. Ever since then, I would go up and I would do that. And one thing to like really turn things around for me was like I did like the open mic at Helium Comedy Club, which currently is the only comedy club in Portland right now. But they have an open mic. Did Harvey's close down? Harvey's what? Harvey's I think closed down before COVID. That place is fucking weird, dude. (laughs) I went to I've been to a show or two there, and yeah, it's. So I I never actually I'd never been there because like it had already closed by the 
by the time I had already yeah. was in Portland. So I I did the open mic at um, Helium, and there I was seeing all the comics that generally aren't going to open mics. They're like maybe a step you know step above. Yeah, and they're not going to every open. They're still going to open mics, but not going to every one. So I got seen by other comics that were like maybe a step above, and they were like, "Oh, you're really funny." And I had seen them, and I know that those guys, you know, these men and women are hilarious. So I'm like, oh, this person, you know, I remember like Tori Ward was one of the first people. Adam Posse yeah. was another person who told me. And I was like, oh, I must be doing something right. Validation for <laughs> the thing. So it just was like, okay, I need to keep going. Like a mandolin deal was another person. Um, and just like, you know, a bunch of sh- uh, Shane Brennan who just won Portland's yeah. Funniest Person. Shane's killer. Yeah. Um, they, you know, they told me I was funny. So I was like, oh, I must be doing something right. So I just, like, I kept going with it. And it just, you know, it led me here. Like, it still, it, it worked out pretty well. And I just kept writing. I used to go to those Helium open mics pretty often when I first moved here. Mm-hmm. I was, like, still, I mean, I'm still a big comedy fan, but at that particular time I was still like constantly watching specials and I just, I just remember seeing like people like Ian Carmel would have mm-hmm. like maybe that that feature spot at yeah. Helium and like Sean Jordan yeah. it was like so cool to see those people like yeah. you know continue to grow but do you feel like with uh when you shifted styles into this like more setup mm-hmm. punchline type thing is it easier for you to tell like comedy is this thing where you really have to stretch it out in front of people, right? It's mm-hmm. not like music mm-hmm. where you like can play music at home and make recorded versions of it yeah. and like you can feel good about it even mm-hmm. before you bring it to an audience yeah. and maybe it like maybe it still shifts your perspective when you do play it. But with comedy you really need that audience mm-hmm. to know if something hits. Yeah. But do you feel like when you started doing the setup punchline type stuff? that it was a little easier for you to gauge that at home when you were writing, if it was like a funny thing? Um, you know, like maybe because like I would, I would feel like I would, I would feel more comfortable like saying like, okay, I think this will be funny because this kind of fits the structure. Yeah. So it was more like, it felt like, you know, writing a joke was more like a math problem. Like you had to like figure it out. And if I felt like I had figured it out, then yeah, I would feel a little more confident. But at the same time, you still don't know. Yeah. You know, like I can go up there and I there are jokes that I feel are in the same rhythm as another joke that I've told that kills you know, <laughs> 90% of the time. And then I'll tell another joke that feels like it's the same thing. It feels like it should work. And then it just consistently gets nothing. And I'm like, I don't understand why, <laughs> why it isn't working. So like, it's not just even at an open mic. It's like literally because like sometimes a joke may work 90% of the time. There's no joke that works 100% of the time. That It just, it doesn't exist. Yeah, different audience. Yeah. But you're doing it for a different audience and there may be like different things going on in the world. And maybe, you know, it's this isn't as funny as it was last week. Yeah. And, you know, this just a different audience. So and it's not just like just, when you're doing like open mics it's when i'm on stage i never joke i never know if a single joke is going to work like when i'm on stage i just go into it and i'm like i hope this works like this works <laughs> this has worked like 10 times before but this 11 times it might not work yeah so it's always like literally every joke i have no idea if it's going to work 
for sure. <laughs> what is uh what does that feeling of bombing feel like when you're on stage? Uh, it it's you know, and like it it feels terrible it it feels terrible, obviously. But I also do know that if I went up there and I did what I normally do mm-hmm. and I told it the way that I wanted to tell it, I just know that that crowd just wasn't interested in what I was doing. And I feel better. Like, it still doesn't feel good, but I'm just like, well, I know that that joke has worked 10 times before. Yeah. So it's, it's not like, I'm not going to say it's not me. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say it's all the crowd's fault or anything, but it is like, I know that that joke works. They just weren't, they just didn't like what I was doing. Yeah. And that's okay. You're not going to like let it get in your yeah. head. You can kind of yeah, like I move try, past yeah, it. I try, yeah, little. I try to be, like that helps me move past it before bef- before I like spin out of control because I'm kind of like, well, they just didn't like what I was doing. Like yeah. some people, like I do like darker stuff sometimes. I do like political stuff sometimes. Yeah. Some people aren't going to like, if you're doing jokes like that, some people just don't like dark jokes. Yeah. Some people don't like political stuff. Some people might not like silly stuff, <laughs> you know? <clears throat> and that's just... You know, you just have to deal with it. Well, you know, at least the comics in the back of the room are appreciating watching, <laughs> yeah. watching the other comic bomb. Yeah, yeah, they're all they're always laughing for the wrong reason. <laughs> like I definitely laugh harder when a when a joke doesn't work. Like, yeah. <laughs> what do you appreciate about being able to maybe joke or make light of uh, something tragic? Like, you don't have to like do the bit but like Mm -hmm. thinking about that uh that suicide bit that Mm -hmm. you have yeah true story right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah like what what do you what do you think you like about breaking Um, something down like that or like what why do you think you gravitate towards processing something uh like that um i don't really know because like some people i know some people will say like it's just you have to like laugh about it to get over it Mm -hmm. i've never really felt that way like it's just i don't know i I don't want to say I don't take it seriously because I do. Yeah. But it's it's just a different side of the coin. Like it's just it's a thing that happens. And it's okay to like look at it. And if I'm not making fun, I'm never making light of anything that I'm talking like if I'm talking about suicide, I'm not making light of suicide. Yeah, you're not an insensitive yeah. person. You yeah. know that suicide yeah. is a serious yeah. thing. <laughs> but my feeling is that like you can make a joke about anything. Yeah. I wonder if I can make a joke about this. Yeah. And that's generally what it is. I wonder if I can get like Anthony Jeselnik has, you know, a thing where he says like, you know, a good comic got away with it. Yeah. Like that's that's what makes you a good comic. Like if you can say cuz he he says a bunch of awful things, but he gets laughs. If you're a good comic, that's what it is it's getting away with it and if you're you know if you're going up there and you're doing comedy and people are like upset or offended and that's all you're doing then you're not you're not getting away with it yeah you're not you're not being a good comic yeah and that is being a good comic, right? Of like towing the towing the line and, fun, yeah. and trying to like yeah, find just, this funny yeah. angle to this yeah, thing just, that is maybe tragic or controversial. Yeah, I just want to see if I can get away with it. Yeah, I just want to see if I say this thing, can will I can I make you laugh by saying this thing that like it really is awful. Yeah, obviously, but like if I say this thing, 
can I can I get you to laugh? And sometimes it does not work. <laughs> sometimes people do not do not like it. But you know, I mean, it's it feels great when it works. Yeah, I do love the style though that you've like adopted of like you know these set up punchline, but there's like a lot of maybe misdirection at mm-hmm. times and it's yeah. just like unpredictable of. Mm. And, uh, you know, Jesselnick is, is mm-hmm. definitely like somebody that's really great at that. Mm-hmm. Did it, uh, did you maybe shift of like what you were paying attention to as far as, you know, maybe the people you really look up to that, that have a similar style, like maybe like, or did you start paying attention more to like a Jesselnick or like a Mitch Hedberg or Stephen Wright kind uh, of the like f- the funny thing. thing is that I feel like I patterned my style more after rappers than um com- comedians like obviously like it's it's like all the comics that i've seen or heard are in the back of my head yeah but when i'm writing a joke i'm writing it like a battle rapper <laughs> it's like it's set up punchline and when that battle rapper says whatever the thing they're going to say and everybody goes oh to me that's the equivalent of a Hell laugh yeah. yeah so i'm trying to like say this thing and then like you know pull away and then like you laugh that's 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 the purpose of it like to be able to say you know this complicated thing but break it down in maybe two lines yeah three or four lines something like that so i generally feel like i pattern myself more after a rapper like you know like a rock marciano type person oh, like, yeah. so it has a very like flat or like um boldy james or something yeah as a very calm demeanor very like flat and they're saying like these specific lines but they're like if you're really listening to them you're like oh my god like the wordplay yeah the wordplay there's a lot of wordplay in a lot of what i say so my style anyway maybe not like what i'm joking about but like just the style the way that i i um i present the jokes is to me more like a rapper specifically a battle rapper so you should be able to maybe turn bad at math this special <laughs> into into bars <laughs> and translate it into a rap record <laughs> yeah you might be able to <laughs> did you uh find you know you you talked about how like some of these comics that, that saw you early on here mm-hmm. maybe gave you some of that validation mm-hmm. let you know that they thought you were funny mm-hmm. um that helped you build more more community as far as far as like getting to spend more time with people that mm-hmm. were working on comedy and just getting to yeah. chop it up like talk shop like yeah, you kind of maybe wanted to initially yeah that's one of the things that was definitely missing in la that is here i think the the community here is really great obviously there there are issues yeah but you know there's issues everywhere but to me like i love the the portland comedy community i, I mean i'm i'm friends with all these people that are funny but like funny in a way that maybe i'm not like they can do things that i can't do or they can make jokes about things then like there are some people like man i wish i wish i had written that they can do that observational stuff they can do that observation they can do that really silly wild stuff that i can't you know i i can't seem to be able to pull off and yeah i mean it's 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 the um like i was saying before the different perspectives that's what i love about comedy it's all the different perspectives. So, like, to be able to see, like, people do different things that I can't do, uh, I, I love it. And you can, this has got to be, I mean, just from what I know about this city, that is pretty easy to get around to maybe a few different spots oh, in a yeah. night without having to wait in line at <laughs> yeah. one spot for yeah, four absolutely. hours or, yeah. you know, feeling like you're completely wasting your yeah. time and not even know if you're going to get on stage. Mm-hmm. 
yeah it's it's uh it's uh definitely a different feeling there's open mics there's you know at least one but there's generally like you know two to three open mics every day yeah so like being able to pop around to different ones is is great and right now i am at a level i don't mean to brag but i am at a level that i probably could just walk up to an open mic and be like hey uh can you you know put me up can i do some time and generally you know i i would be welcome to do that that's so that, dope dude. so that's one of the that, i've reached that level if nothing else yeah and obvious <laughs> like like you mentioned earlier in the conversation yeah. that was something that you, yeah, you kind of aspired yeah, to that, yeah that's be always, in that position I, yeah that's always what i wanted to do so thinking about our new special um mm. i was at the taping it mm. was really great it was uh, a cool cool spot at the mm. armory and mm. i had never been in that that smaller room mm-hmm at the armory um thought it was a really at least in my mind bold move to go with the band mm-hmm. performing with you mm-hmm. and and mostly not not because of the performance itself i was just like i was like oh how's this fucking guy gonna how's he gonna edit this with the <laughs> band you know like yeah. it feels like maybe there's a little bit yeah. less leeway yeah. to be able to cut things mm-hmm. with especially with you, the band was constantly playing yeah like there were there was never any breaks in the music mm-hmm. except when you were hitting that punchline. yeah so talk to me about your idea to wanting to include a band in this special that you shot uh, well there is this show i it may not be they may not be doing it now but for years they did it before um it was Ro- ross Passick. Um, would do a show called Funny Jazz Talk. And um, he would get basically the, the performers that I had on the show, Dylan Jones and uh, Brett, to do, um, they would play the drums or keyboard or whatever. And um, he sometimes uh, Ross would play the sax. Um, but um, it was a show where he got comedians to go on stage and they would have music playing behind him and they would, tell jokes over you know jazz music yeah and uh it was a really fun show i've probably been on it more than anyone else like i've done it i don't know six seven times okay um i've done it uh, maybe even more than that i've done it a lot um but like because my style is very uh it really like goes with that type of thing yeah like it works it made sense right yeah, away yeah, i had never that was my first time mm-hmm. getting to see you con- do comedy like i'd been wanting to see you uh-huh. and i'd like seen oh, okay. the clips that you were posting okay and then you were like well i have this special thing and i was like cool i'll go to that but i had yeah. no idea that you were doing it with the band oh, so like yeah. it was it was cool to have that as mm-hmm. as my first experience and right away like made sense to mm-hmm. me why you would want to like incorporate yeah. that like when i tell people i'm doing it in front of a band they're like they kind of like okay that i don't know but when, when they see it or hear it like oh now it makes it oh i get it yeah now. like because it would be weird <laughs> if, you, if you were doing that more yeah. observational long yeah. form like yeah. maybe it wouldn't feel as good mm-hmm. but with the amount of jokes you're packing in mm-hmm. it just feels like this fucking cutesy jazz band <laughs> is playing yeah, <laughs> in yeah. the background of what you're doing yeah um yeah so when I started to do the special, um, I initially, so last year when I went to New York, uh, I met this steel drum player um, named Jonathan Scales. And he he came to one of the shows that, you know, I was doing in New York. And he came up to me afterwards. Uh, he, met, he met me, he bought some merch. And then the next day he messaged me and said, 
if you're in um if you're still in new york um i do this podcast where i have people come on and play um play music generally music but like sometimes i'll have a comedian come on and i'll play the steel drums and they'll just like either play music or sing or whatever yeah but he had had like maybe one other comedian come on and he thought like it would be a good idea and I had just met this guy like, you know, 12 hours before or something like that. So I like obviously didn't know him. So it's basically some stranger asking me to come to his apartment in New York. <laughs> and I was like, because I'm a comedian, I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll do it. Of course. Because <laughs> comic will do. <laughs> Got to give it a shot. <laughs> yeah. Try it. That, that sounds great. I uh, hope I don't get killed. That's. <laughs> um, but like I, I looked him up and like he's, you know, he was legit and everything. So I was like, okay, cool. So I went over and we. Mm, normally he like has to rehearse it a few times but like we did it all in one take like it's on youtube right now um i think it's called uh jonathan scales and friends i'll put the link in the episode yeah. notes so people can check it yeah so it's in, and we just did i just did like i don't know maybe three or four minutes and he just played the steel drums and i just told jokes over it and it just it sounded good it felt good it was like oh that was like really fun so when i was thinking about uh doing a special i wanted him to come and like play because i knew he was he said he was going to be in portland like you know in a few months so i was like you know you think you you know come and play and it ended up not working because he had other shows to do so the night before i I taped my special i actually did perform with him okay at uh jack london review so we did like actually do like a full i don't know maybe i did like 20 30 minutes or something like that i don't remember no, it was probably like, I opened up for him, so it was probably more like 20 minutes. So I actually did like, a, you know, a longer set, you know, playing, telling jokes over steel drums. And it just sounded like, it was very uh, ethereal. It was like, it was, it sounded awesome. It was great. I loved it. Um, but because he wasn't able to do it, I was like, well, I still want to have music. I want to do something. Yeah. So I thought of like Ross, Ross Pasek's show, Funny Jazz Talk. Maybe I could get those guys to come on and, you know, do something with me. So I contacted them. First of all, I got Ross's blessing that it was okay to basically rip off his show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he said it was fine. So I got I con- contacted the, um, the you know, drummer keyboardist. But there was also, um, I did one show with them where they had someone playing a saw. Uh, this woman Sarah, she played the saw with us. It's and fucking <laughs> wild, dude! It sounds like <laughs> it sounds like an opera scene. I was watching it with my my buddy uh-huh. Alexander last night, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Watch this! This is gonna be crazy." This this, this saw sounds like an <laughs> opera singer, and he's yeah. just like, "It sounds like the ghost of an opera singer." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. So it, I did the show with like all of us on stage, and it was fun. So I was like, you know. I contacted her to maybe, you know, see if she wants to do it too. So she, you know, she said yes. So she's playing the saw and she also has a train whistle. Uh, so that, <laughs> so there's a keyboard, a melodica, drums, saw, and uh, a train whistle. All <laughs> while I'm telling one-liners <laughs> or whatever. So um, it all came together like really well. Before the show, like, we had never, like, actually, like, rehearsed. There was no run-through. There was no, like, real run-through. Like, before the show, like, while we were doing sound check, maybe we did, like, 10 minutes. You know, I would kind of, like, you know, tell jokes just to so they could, you know, get the sound of the drums or everything so everything was recording correctly or whatever. 
So like we did, but we've done funny jazz talks so many times that we knew like how it would go. Like I would play and then I would look over to him and he they would know. stop. Yeah, yeah. So, so they they get it. They're jazz musicians. Yeah, they, yeah, they get it. <laughs> so um, it was that. So that's more or less how I decided to like get a band and have them like. That's how I chose those uh, those artists and also just I just wanted to have something different because it's it's important. Obviously, I think that I'm funny. But I also think that another thing that's important is to be different. And this is something that, you know, you're not going to see. Like, there's maybe there's someone else doing this, but, like, not a lot. I mean, I've watched a lot of comedy, <laughs> and I've never seen anything of the mm. sorts, you know. I've maybe, yeah. like, seen a comic that also plays piano yeah. and, like, accompanies it on yeah. their own. But uh, to, like, incorporate this band or, like. Yeah, there's, like, Zach Galifianakis who, yeah. you know, he has a special where he's playing the piano on it. And there's, like, Nick Thune. Like, people right. that, like, play the guitar and things like that. And, um, you know, sometimes, you know, people may have a band behind them. But, like, this was, I don't know, I felt like this was something different. Yeah. So I want and it's also, I'm not, I mean, it's set up punchline types. So it's, like, it's a it's a different type of comic doing a different type of, um, you know, type of incorporating music. So it just felt like it would be not just funny but also something different. So I wanted to create something that maybe people haven't seen before. Yeah, I think what I appreciated about it, both being in the room that night and then watching the actual special last mm -hmm. night and seeing what it looked like on mm -hmm. film and is that I'm never I'm never distracted by the mm -hmm. band. Yeah. You know? It's yeah. still it doesn't feel like it's mm -hmm. interrupting yeah. me paying attention to your to your jokes. Yeah. So it felt it felt like it like served really well. Yeah. Like I said, like we played together so many times before that like they kinda get how to like stay, you know, not be in the way. Yeah. You know, I'm not getting in the way of them, they're not getting in the way of me. We're like all doing this. Like it's all I'm not improvising, but they're improvising. It's jazz. And yeah, we're, it's just <laughs> jazz. Like we're all, you know, trying to like you know, do do this thing together without stepping on each other's toes. Yeah, they're not doing some shit that's like super out yeah. playing solos yeah. or, or things yeah. like that that are just going to yeah. take away from mm -hmm. what you're doing. Yeah, it just adds to the mood. Um I think you mentioned this you know, even at the taping that most comics when they're shooting a special are kind of afforded this time mm -hmm. to do record two sets and yeah. then maybe and I think like often most of it comes all from one set. Yeah. But but you do have that option to cut in mm -hmm. maybe a, a certain joke from yeah. show number two mm -hmm. and you did, you were not able to do that. So talk to me about maybe what the biggest challenges were in putting together this mm -hmm. special and actually producing yeah. the final product and maybe like what the band elements did for that and yeah. maybe how it worked against you. Yeah. Um, it is, it's all like self-funded. Like I did, I did pretty much like, obviously there are, you know, there are people that helped, but yeah. like this, I pretty much did everything top to bottom. Like I, I, you know, I have a friend that works at Portland Center Stage. Like, Joan, Jonas works at Portland Shout Center Stage. Shout out to Jonas. Love Shout Jonas. Out to jo love Jonas. Um, and um, he got me the space. Um, so there was, you know, I wanted to, one thing about shooting it there, like, they kind of have, like, a built-in audience. It's a place that kind of everyone knows. Or even if you don't know it, you can be like, oh, it's right next to Powell's Books. Yeah. You know, like, it's a place. It's a really nice theater. Yeah, it's a really nice theater. But, like, if I say, like, 
okay, oh, I've never been there before. Well, it's right next to Powell's Books. You know where it is. Everyone, yeah. if you're in Portland, you know where the, you know where that area is. Yeah. So it's like it already has like a built-in audience. There are people that are, you know, subscribed to like tickets, like year-long ticket holders and anything like that. So there are people that already kind of know about it. So I knew that that would draw some people in. Um, but I'm working with, you know, the venue had their, you know, restrictions on certain things that um like they were already filming something there and there were things that i couldn't move christmas decorations yeah there's christmas <laughs> decorations there in the background <laughs> if you're looking um hopefully it's not like if if i don't say that i don't think you would really think about it but like you know maybe you'll see like some mistletoe in there you know what i even watching it last mm. night i didn't notice that as mm-hmm. much as maybe i did during, yeah, during like being tape, in the yeah. room like you you don't really yeah. feel like there's some christmas theme yeah. happening like with to go along with your yeah. special so you know they they had like uh, i'm working with the venue i pick uh, you know i got the venue um i'm also you know there are people like recording the audio uh there's you know um there's friends of noise that recorded the audio for it and then there is um or my black oh desert island studios desert island studios uh, filmed everything and they did an amazing job yeah because it looks great it, 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 yeah it looks great um because like in the room you probably felt a different way but once you saw it you saw the way that they cut it absolutely you didn't like there was so much like that um the way that they cut you can't tell that there's extra stuff in the room even no. though there is Cause there were so many like different, in, there was yeah. like a bunch of instruments yeah, on there's, the stage. There's a, like, like, yeah. If you were in the room with me when I was shooting it, there's tons of instruments behind me, Yeah. but the way they cut it, it just looks like a, like a, it looks like a normal space. Like it, it didn't look like there was extra, a bunch of extra stuff there. So they cut it like amazing. Um, but you know, I, I, so I'm working with, I've already said like three different things. I'm working with, you know, the venue, I'm working with the sound people, I got the, the the filming of it yeah. down. Um, I also have I'm incorporating a band, so there's three people in the band, so I have to like make sure that they all know what they're doing. They get their own time. Right. They understand what the you know the project is, and then I also gotta like sell tickets. I gotta get people to know. So I'm doing like I'm doing all of this like t- to make sure that everything is running smoothly. Um, and there's people because like the audio people need to know what the video people are doing because that's, that's feeding into it. So like, I need to make sure that they're communicating, that they know who, you know, each other are. And again, like, like Jonas, like helped me out with a lot with that too. But you know, it was like working with all these different people and I'm doing this all by myself and I'm making sure that all of that was done. And on top of that, I got to make sure I perform. Yeah, you got to show up and do the <laughs> show. Like, you're not just being the comic. You're producing Yeah, yeah I produced that special. Pack. Yeah, I produced all this thing. So, like, you know, I'm there. I was there all day, pretty much. Like, from, like, we shot at, like, maybe 8 p.m. or something like that or something. And I'm there since, like, noon yeah. at least making sure, you know, lighting cues are correct. The sound is good. The band knows what they're doing. Um, we got people... Uh, knowing where the venue is because like it's a you know the theater is like downstairs right so making sure people know where it is what time you know they need to be there i also had openers right so i'm also like coordinating with the host and you know the other comics that are on the show making sure they understand what's going on and i'm blocking out okay this is what needs to do like i had uh the saw player come up 
you know, 15, I did 30 minutes. I had the soft player come up 15 minutes into it. So I need somebody to give me the light to let me know when I get to 15 to let, to, to introduce her, you know, so she can come up and like, you know, elevate the show a little bit. So I, I had to like plan how I want the show to go. So I'm doing like everything from top to bottom. Everyone had their own jobs, but like at the end of the day, my name is going to be on it. Yeah. So I need to make sure, you know, all of this is done. And like um, Desert Island Studios did a great job editing it, editing Absolutely. it, um, filming it. You know, they, I got, I had to make sure that I had the correct cameras or anything, um, because like if this does go into um, something like some streaming service, like you know Netflix or something like that, you need to make sure that you have the correct cameras. Otherwise, you're filming this and they're not gonna, no one's gonna want it. It may not be Netflix specifically, but like some other place, they have restrictions certain things that you know the camera has to be a certain thing right so i'm like i have to like make sure all of these things are working at the same time and i also have to make sure that i remember all my jokes <laughs> <laughs> so and that was a that was a crazy day a lot went into it uh, a lot of work and then afterward like the day afterwards i had to i was going to new orleans i was doing a, a festival in new orleans so like i'm at, right after i shoot it i'm like the very next day i'm off to new orleans uh so i have to make sure like everybody's getting paid you know everyone knows what they're getting paid uh first of all so they they understand what you know what's going on i have to make sure everybody gets paid after the show um you know thank yous to, to everyone that you know helped out with everything the credits are correct uh, everyone's name is spelled correctly like all, all the like tiny things that you don't really think about yeah like at the end of the day i have to make sure all of that is done and then I have to like hopefully get it to a distributor that that can you know get it out there. Like I, my plan was to either get it done, get it to a distributor, or to sell it myself. And luckily, I got a four by three Productions, which is uh, this this great company that they're they're they have their own YouTube channel, a bunch of subscribers, and they're like putting it out for me. Um, and they're gonna have it on different streaming platforms. Um, it's it's going to be on YouTube. That's I assume that's what most people, but like, I don't know if you wanted to watch it on Tubi. Yeah, it's going to be, on be Tubi. there too. Yeah, that's sweet. Like X Ray FM. Uh, yeah, not X, uh, like um, on um, Sirius. Okay. It's going to be like internet radio. It's oh, going to be on, you know, all those things too. Get some visibility yeah. for it. Uh, it's going to be on iTunes. Not not Apple Music, but iTunes, like yeah. where people like buy music. Yeah. If they still like that. The audio version is going to be on that. Cool. So after that, I had to chop up all the jokes because there are so many jokes. I had to like do the timestamp for each joke that I'm doing. <laughs> like when you see an album that has like, you know, these, these little snippets, all these jokes have names and all this right. stuff. And you're reading an album like I had to cut all those up to make sure that everything makes sense. So I had to do all of that, too. So, like, it was it was a lot of work. Yeah. A lot of work. Damn. <laughs> it sounds like it. Yeah. It sounds like it's more probably more work than uh, any, like, music album mm -hmm. that you've ever had to, yeah. to make. Oh, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what do you, uh, what made you feel like these particular jokes that you did include were, were ready for Making, um, well, there, this I mean, there are jokes that I've done for the past year, maybe year and a half. And I've I've done festivals. I've toured around. I've, you know, I've been all over the country. I've I did comedy in in Paris last year, too. So I've done these jokes in all like these different places. And I know they work 90 percent of the time. Like that's the, the goal. Like, like I said, there's no joke that works 100 percent of the yeah. time. But like you, you want to find the ones that are like, you know. 
you got 90%, 90% approval rating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and hope that they work. And that's, that, so that's, that's how I judge when a joke is ready. Is there any part of you now that feels like people will always expect if like for the people that are new to you mm-hmm. and seeing this comedy mm-hmm. special, do you feel like there's going to be this expectation that that Lee H. Tillman rolls yeah. with a, 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 band. a band every time? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> actually, I was just um, someone asked me to do they, uh, there was this venue. They wanted me to do like a a, um, a show there, like a monthly show there. And they, you know, they were like, "Yeah, when you have like we have drums and stuff like that." For I'm like, "Cool," but like I don't have a full band every time yeah, I perform. Yeah, like that's not that's not normal. That's that's you know that's just for the special. Yeah, I don't travel with a band. Right. <laughs> Do you think that's something that you uh, will maybe want to work into? Maybe like just even on a local level, mm-hmm. every once in a while, if you have like more than just you know like a regular spot if you have mm-hmm. like a feature spot or a headline yeah. spot somewhere mm-hmm. do you think do you feel like that's maybe something you'll continue to try to incorporate if it makes sense to yeah if it, if it makes sense like if i were like headlining a show and i got you know i know i got a significant amount of people that are coming yeah it, yeah it would be cool and if the venue is is you know willing to do all of that then yeah it would be fun i don't really have plans to do that now, I don't know if I'm at that level right yeah. now to where, you know, I could draw that bigger crowd to where it would be worth me getting a band all the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean I would I would be totally down with that. I kind of like like what you did there just cause I don't know. It it almost feels similar to like maybe like a music project, like mm-hmm. thinking about singer songwriters that maybe play with a band but also do solo sets Mm -hmm. is that like it feels like a different experience Mm -hmm. with those two things so i think it's kind of cool that you have this thing that exists with the band Mm -hmm. but then also i feel like the impact is similar to me even though i i've never seen you perform Mm -hmm. live without a band Mm -hmm. i've seen a lot of your clips that Mm -hmm. you post and it feels like the jokes have the same impact Mm -hmm. with and without yeah and yeah that that was that's that's part of the thing there's this was one thing that i don't know how true this is but like you know when chris rock is working out on new bits what i hear is that he just does them like straight like the he'll do like he just wants to know is this joke funny yeah so he'll go up you know at an open mic somewhere or like he'll do some time in some club and he'll just, you know, do these jokes straight. And, like, maybe the crowd will be like, what? What's happening? Like, why isn't he doing Chris Rock, quote, yeah. unquote, Chris Rock? But what he does is, like, I just want to know, is this joke funny? And then later on, he adds the Chris Rock-isms, you know, the the different, you know, inflections of the voice and, like, the act-outs and everything. The stage presence. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. you just want to know if the joke is funny. Yeah. So, like, that's, that's the thing that I want to do. Like, what, music or not, I don't want the music to be the punchline right this joke has to work no matter you know how i'm saying not how i'm saying it but like whether i'm saying it in front of a man or not the like the 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 band just enhances it a little more like it gives a different element to it yeah but the joke is the joke and it should be like if it's a good joke it should be able to work on its own for sure yeah uh what do you feel like you're you're carrying forward now having the having the special done you know coming out of this like what what do you feel like you carry forward 
having bad at math in the bag yeah. into like what you're doing now or in the future uh well i have this i feel like i have like you know this calling card like if about if anyone is like i could, it's something that i can always point people to like if you you know if you don't know who i am or you you want to get a sample of what it is i do oh well this is special that i have and you know possibly you know i get my name out there more like obviously monetarily i would love for like you know to be able to get you know a bunch of money from this special you know like if it's on youtube it has to get a certain amount of views in order yeah. to you know being able to be monetized and stuff like that and you can get money from like internet radio and stuff like that but on top of that um it's just like getting my name out there so that i can do you know i can tour yeah. and do other shows and be able to show people yeah i can headline a show and you know i can also draw a crowd you know if you know if given you know the right um you know the right um situation you yeah know, I, I can get people there um so you know it's just it's just kind of like more like a calling card so people can see what it is that i do yeah it's like content that yeah. a venue could post yeah to point people in because yeah i i think that's a, the cool thing about comedy still is that it it feels like a lot of places do have built-in crowds you know yeah. there's a lot of people showing up to a comedy club yeah that have never heard of the comic yeah. seen the comic no matter how big they are yeah you know you hear comics talking about that all the time mm -hmm. like oh bachelorette party was in mm -hmm. the in the corner i have yeah. no idea who this major headliner yeah. is or whatever so i think that's rad that you mm -hmm. you do have this piece of work yeah. now that you can really and whether you're chopping that that up and then mm -hmm. i would imagine also like you're saying it's going to go on something like Apple Music or yeah. iTunes or whatever, mm -hmm. where like I feel like this is the type of special that does play really well without mm -hmm. the visual. Yeah. You know, like I grew up listening to comedy albums, yeah. you know, that didn't, mm -hmm. you didn't need some sort of visual to like see the the physical performance yeah. to go along with it. So, um, yeah, man, I'm glad, I, I'm glad I was there to, to witness it. Because I, yeah, I, I do hey, always You're feel, on camera, too. I know. I was, <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, you're on camera laughing a few times. So, yeah. Um, well, I'm glad I was laughing. Yeah. <laughs> Not just like, oh. Um, I, do, I do feel like there's always something more special about witness, witnessing comedy live. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In comparison to. Yeah, being in the room is always, is always better. Like, if you can be in the room, yeah. definitely do that. Different magic. Uh, a lot it. of people are watching stand up on their phones right now which is uh, and some people think that's what comedy is it's all crowd work yeah absolutely <laughs> like you're on tiktok and just comedy is just someone doing crowd work yeah um where where do you from maybe where you shifted your style mm -hmm. a couple years back into the what you're doing now to where you're at now post special where do you feel like you you feel like you're you're seeing the most growth in what you're doing um I do feel like I, about like my writing has gotten like more specific. I do like I'm, I'm trying to touch on different topics um, that I was before. Obviously, like when you're first starting out, you're gonna you know you write what you know, so you know write about your hometown, your parents, or whatever. And I'm trying to incorporate um, more, definitely like more political stuff, um, but not like the typical like trying to do like different things trying to like it's not try to do a political joke where you're not mentioning like you know the big name like not mentioning donald trump or doc you know or biden or something yeah. like that 
where I'm like mentioning like maybe someone that they don't know, but you get the point, you know, something like that. Like trying to like add things with a little more nuance, see if I can like put this joke in. Maybe you don't know who this person is, but you still get the joke. Yeah. And I do have a few jokes like that where I've had people come up to me like, I didn't really know who you were talking about, but I definitely got it. It's the it's the, <laughs> the rap lines again, like the yeah. bars where you're like, yeah. for those few people yeah. that are like really get yeah. that reference, it's yeah. like extra special. Yeah. So um, just trying to like write things that are a little more specific. Um, but like just the growth of like being able to do a longer amount of time. Like when I first started, was doing open mics like one of my first things was like i just want to get five minutes yeah so that if somebody says you know can you do a guest spot like i just show up at some show and they're like hey can you do it a guest spot i'd be like yeah i got five minutes i can do that yeah and then once i got that five i was like i want to do 10 20 <laughs> right? like to be able to like build up that time and right now like on this show on the special is only 30 minutes i have a i've done hours before but i did um a half hour because like it's it's with a band and i didn't want it i don't know and there's also like a woman playing a saw yeah i didn't want it to be too droney like for an hour i don't know if that would be too much so i decided well i'll, I'll do half an hour and you know see how that goes so that you know i don't want it to be i don't want it to get annoying after a while yeah no I so think i don't, I don't want to draw it out too more like if it had just been me doing you know one-liners then you know i can i can do an hour yeah but you know so to be able to do um that and not really because sometimes you get precious about jokes like i don't want to give this away but like now this is out okay that 30 minutes i don't know if i'll completely throw it away there may be some stuff i might use but a lot of that 30 minutes i'm not going to use as much i'm going to try to write you know a more so right not i don't before i was like man I don't know how I'm going to fill this time. I don't know if I can write anymore. But like now I feel more comfortable being able to say, okay, I'm not using that joke anymore. You know, if I get in a pinch, maybe I can, maybe I need to read back, reach back to it. But like, I feel comfortable that I can write another 30 minutes, which before I don't know if I would have felt that yeah. way. But like now I'm like, you know, I can, I think I can still, you know, I, I, I can still, I can keep writing. Yeah. You can remove that. Like, if yeah. you wanted to, you could remove that yeah. 30 minutes from your current yeah. act yeah. and still feel good about yeah. it. And it's cool, man, because it's also like this thing where you can play these individual bits mm -hmm. and they don't require the context yeah. of anything else in the act, yeah. which I think is, is cool about the setup punchline mm -hmm. type style. Yeah. So it's exciting. Yeah, I'm excited. That's, I'm really it's, excited it's, about it. Uh, yeah, congrats on like getting all this done and produced because yeah. like you were explaining, it's it's uh, a lot goes into it other yeah. than you showing up to yeah. talk into the <laughs> microphone yeah. with or without the band. There's yeah. all this production to mm -hmm. uh, to think about as well. So big ups to, yeah. to you for, for getting this thing done. And yeah, I appreciate I'll it. I'll definitely Thank put you. all the links in the episode notes. Bad at Math is the, <laughs> is the special from Lee H. Tillman. Definitely, you know, check out the music as well, the mm -hmm. free Tillman stuff. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll put all the links in the episode notes. And, yeah, man, this is fun to, to chop it up about yeah. comedy with you. Like, I think yeah, it's awesome. probably been, it's got to be close to a couple years, maybe like mm -hmm. a year and a half since we jumped on the mics last yeah, and, yeah. and just talked music in-depthly. Yeah. So uh, very fun to, you know, push the clock forward and, <laughs> and be sitting here and talking to you about comedy, which seems to be doing well for you and this is where you've you've invested a lot of your time in the last yeah. year and a half or two years so 
Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thank, yeah. Thanks for having me, man. This is fun. Absolutely. Um, Lee, we end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline for the show, which is, it's a program. So if we could get the Lee H. Tillman, it's a program, we can properly sail this thing out. It's a program. He nailed it, everybody. That's uh, <laughs> Lee H. Tillman. Again, Bad at Math is the special. Links for that will be in the episode notes, so you can check it out. And uh, if you live in the Portland Oregon area you can see this dude performing all over town he's always posting on his his socials where he's performing throughout the month so keep up with that as well and uh that's the jelly jams and we will catch you on the flip side portland or wherever you are listening from i never drink before i get on stage because if i come up here and this doesn't go well i don't want to be able to blame it on anything other than my parents My dad thinks that LOL stands for lots of love. The other day he texted me, said, son, very proud of you. LOL. Hey, just want to give a big shout out to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast and their longtime support of this thing. Don't forget to find that discount link in the episode notes or in my Instagram bio. 30% off your first year of DistroKid, helping you get your music in all the places it needs to be. And also, thank you to Puff Coffee for their support of the show. Go grab yourself a cup locally here in Portland, Oregon, or make an online order and use that Dan Cable coupon code for 20% off a coffee subscription from Puff Coffee. Stay up, stay tuned.